Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gassing Out Loud, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol Rovers reporter... Jack Vittles. Welcome along to Getting Out Loud with myself, Michelle Owen, and Jack Vittles. And today, we're going to go straight in and discuss if Bristol Rovers are going to make the playoffs. And also, later on, Jack's going to be telling us about some exciting stuff that's happening at the moment with the Community Trust. But Jack, uh, let's just start by asking, how on earth was the game on Saturday on? Yeah, a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? It was uh, pretty snowy in Bristol, as most people have noticed, on Friday and even into Saturday as well. I think most people expected the game to be called off. There was only three games left on, I think, in League One. Yeah. One in Southend, one in Scunthorpe. Um, so it was a real surprise. I woke up Saturday morning and the game was still on. I mean, um, how did you get out of your street? You live in the middle of Bristol. Yeah, yeah. So I, I live right in the in sort of you know in the middle of town. Um, so on Friday, I went and dug my car out <laughs> um, of where it was parked outside my house um, and put it on the main road so that I knew I could get out Saturday morning because I'd sort of spoken to various people on Friday and it looked like the game was going to go ahead mm-hmm. um, even though the, you know the Rovers supporters club were very good they were very vocal in the fact that they thought the game should have been cancelled just simply because the fans couldn't make it yeah exactly so the fans couldn't make it and also I think at the time there was some warnings out from even the Somerset police basically saying don't, don't travel. travel unless it's you know life threatening or essential and you know football matches neither so mm-hmm. yeah conflicting messages but the game went ahead we got there safe and sound and everybody got back so how many Bristol Rivers fans were there, roughly, do you know? Uh, over 700. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really I think, amazing. I think the thing was on Saturdays, a lot of people that live on a side street, like me, were still snowed in. But you lived on a main road, you were fine. And I just think it meant loads of conflicting messages. And I'm sure some people missed out as well, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I saw, you know, a couple of the supporter coaches arriving uh, in Milton Keynes, and they were probably half full when they would have been fully booked. And I assume that's people that maybe live in, you know rural areas normally drive into the Mem and pick up the coach um, weren't able to do that so it's a real shame Um, the good thing is those people can get a refund which is nice Um, but yeah over 700 fans there which I think for a 250 mile round trip in the freezing conditions is really impressive yeah League One as well amazing and a good result to go with it did Ellis Harrison mean that goal? no no, definitely not. I thought he did in, in live action. Um, having watched the replay, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. He's come out, I think, and said that he, he did mean it. Um, <laughs> Daryl Clark came out after the game and said uh, something on the lines of, oh, you know, Ellis has told me he's been doing it in training for weeks. I'm not so sure. Um, I think It's it was, a cross all day. Yeah, I think it's a speculative cross towards the back post. But if he wants to say it's a, it's a shot, fine. It, they all count. Yeah, but you know matter. what? It was on the goal of the day poll on yeah. Sports News. And yeah. it got a lot of votes. I saw that. It was on the way Messi's goal, I think. So, uh, yeah, very impressive. Hey, in good company. But he's come good, hasn't he, this season, Ellis Harrison? He's been, let's just talk about him for a second, you know. Some of the form he's shown. And he's had to take a lot more responsibility because for so much of the season, there wasn't that sort of wide player and creative player there, was there? No, absolutely. Absolutely. So he's 13 goals for the season now, I think four in the last six. He's coming to the coming to the four now. And like you say, he's just to lead the line, you know, on his own quite regularly in away matches or part of a four four two at home, but he's not had a huge amount of supply. Um he's just really matured, I think. You know, it's, it's easy to forget he's only twenty-four. Um only turned twenty-four in January. So he's still a young player, mm. still learning his trade. Um I think Daryl Clark made a really good point back in the summer where he said that fans sometimes don't really realise 
what they're going to miss until it's gone. So mm. a player like Harrison who gets a lot of stick or did get a lot of stick before this season, um, I think you'll realise how important he is if he does ever leave Rovers. But at the moment, he's firing in the goals and it looks good. Yeah, he does look, look in fine form and it's the sort of a good time for him to be coming into form. But just tell us a little bit more before we move on about talking about playoff hopes, about the game uh, on Saturday. How much sort of discipline was needed? How good were MK Dons? Was it a solid defensive performance? Did they not need to be that good? Just give us a little more of a picture. Yeah, I, I think MK Dons were poor. If they play like that, I'd imagine they'll go down. They looked pretty listless. Really? They went, yeah. Just little things, like they were getting to the byline on the wing, but they weren't crossing the ball first time. They were taking a touch, and by which point Rovers had got back. So they looked really devoid of confidence. But with a lot of constraints for Rovers, you know, they were missing Stuart Sinclair, missing Ollie Clark. They changed the goalkeeper. They had horrible conditions leading up to it, weren't able to train a couple of days because of the snow. Um, it's only a 1-0 win against a team in 22nd place, but it just felt away it, it just felt like a really competent performance. Mm. Um and, you know, there was 18-year-old lad, Luke Russ, making his um, debut in the middle. He so young. Yeah, he's a very small bloke. He's a very small bloke. And he looked like he um, he could have been overawed by it when they were walking out, but he was really impressive. Took to it brilliantly. And a product of their youth system as well. Yeah, absolutely. So another one from the Rovers Academy, you know, and there was players like, you know, Ollie Clark was out injured, but players like Ellis Harrison, um, Chris Lines, of course, have all come through the Rovers Academy and they're still there playing for the first team. So that's brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. And then uh, we've just been discussing before we started recording the podcast today, uh, Bristol Rovers' form, and you've got a good stat about it. I know there's, there was the loss against Wimbledon a couple of weeks ago, which wasn't so good, and then the draw against Scunthorpe was, was OK, given where Scunthorpe were, although they're dropping like a stone at the moment. So you said there's only two defeats in the last 12. Yeah, so two defeats in the last 12, stretches back to Boxing Day. So 2018 has been very good to Rovers so far. They've obviously climbed the table a little bit, got, you know, picked up some points. They're a point ahead of where they were at this stage last season and mathematically at least they were in the running for the playoffs until the penultimate game so we could could be in for a bit of a run in maybe well maybe because it's so funny in November and December you were saying they'll come good after Christmas they always do this always happens and once again we're in this situation 10th in the table four points off Plymouth Argyle in 6th and we've seen what's possible when you put a run of form together from them it's I think it's sort of down to Gillingham now it's sort of possibly open. Gillingham are in 12th and 46 points. Um, this weekend is going to be massive, isn't it? Because you've got about four teams with a point between them vying for those playoff places. And if you look at the teams in the playoff places, you know, Rotherham, Plymouth, in fantastic, Plymouth Argyle, in, in fantastic form at the moment. But Scunthorpe, like I said, surely they're going to drop out soon if they carry on the way they are. Yeah, they are struggling. I know they're struggling for goals as well. They've sold a few strikers. Um, so... I don't know if they'll cling on. They were much better at the start of the season. But the good news is for Rovers is they've got to play a lot of the sides around them still. They've got to, you know, they're going, they've got um, Gillingham at home. They've got to go to Rotherham. They've got to go to Plymouth. They've got Charlton at home. So all of those sides are right in the mix. And, you know, it's an old cliche, but they're sort of six pointers, aren't they? They can really change the table. So it makes this Saturday against Northampton a real must win. If you're serious about going up, you've got to be beating sides who are battling relegation when you're at home. It's almost good to play the teams you've just mentioned before, Northampton, isn't it? Because if you're not playing them, you're relying on results elsewhere to go away and things like that, especially when you're not yet in the top six. So it's very much actually potentially in their hands. The, the only thing is Scunthorpe are a little bit further ahead up the table. Scunthorpe are on 57 points at the moment, which is six points ahead of Rovers. And Plymouth Argyle are four points ahead. But... If they beat the teams around them, suddenly they're going to be really skirting on the edge, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. They've got a game in hand on Scunthorpe as well, which you know will come in handy at some point, I'm sure. But you know, 
it is in their hands. That's the thing. You've got to be very optimistic to think it'll happen. But, you know, feasibly, if they go and beat them between now and the end of the season, they'll probably get sixth place. And it's only 11 games. You know, teams can go on 11 match and beat and runs. So, or even if they pick up, you know, seven wins and, and a couple of draws and a couple of losses, it's going to put them right in the mix. And because they're playing those sides around them, they're going to be nabbing points off other teams as well. Nobody's going to storm up there. So I think... If Rovers play well, fingers crossed, we could be in for a good run-in that keeps Rovers well in the battle until the final day of the season. That's what you want, you want something to play for, don't you? Yeah, ultimately. absolutely. And that's, you know, that's the good thing about the playoffs. Obviously, it's horrible when you get in there and lose, but it does keep you know, four teams definitely and teams all the way down to 11th or 12th interested until deep in the season, which ultimately is what you want. You don't want your season over in February. And that game in hand has come about because last Tuesday I uh, was called off. I was really looking forward to going down to the man. I was meant to be covering it for Soccer Special and I texted you in the morning saying... How likely is that this game's on? Because it was bitterly cold. It was just the start of the sort of that, the beast from the east, wasn't it? And there were some snow showers here and there and everything was frozen everywhere. And you just said, well, I've just been for a run yeah. by the men and it's solid. Yeah. So, and that was sort of 10 o'clock in the morning and by midday they called it off. And Yeah, it was, it was frozen solid. And speaking of, the referee spoke after the game was called off and just said that it's the easiest decision he's ever had to make in terms of calling a game off. The pitch was frozen solid. It was forecasted, you know, only get as high as minus three in the evening, I think. So there was no chance it was going to thaw. And obviously the pitch is in a dire condition anyway. So you imagine a, a rutted and bumpy pitch, yeah. frozen. It's going to cause injuries. The ball's going to go everywhere. So it was, a, it was a no-brainer. Do you think 20 years ago, though, that game would have been on? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I did, we were both I, quite young at that time. I didn't watch football 20 years ago. But what I would say is I've seen people complaining about players being too soft. Oh, this not, is what I mean. Yeah, it wouldn't happen in my day. You know, but what I would say is that's all well and good. And yes, they might have played those games, but was that wise at the time? Probably not. You know, we know more about sports science now. We know more about injuries. And um, the quality of the game yeah. on that sort of surface would have been dire. Exactly. You're charging people more to go to the grounds now. They need to see... I just think there's a, you can't really compare the two. You've got to make a decision on what's in front of you and also what's fair considering what other teams are playing on in the league. And what's the situation with the tickets from that night then? I'm assuming everyone that had a ticket can... Go to the game now that's been yeah. rescheduled on Tuesday the 24th of April? Yes, so scheduled for Tuesday the 24th of April. Um, tickets can be carried over, that's not yep. a problem. Um, and if you can't make the rearranged date, you can get a full refund as well. I'd be surprised if that was a frozen pitch. Should be fine, shouldn't it, end of April? But, yeah, Should be nice. This is Britain. so And that, that game being rescheduled does mean Bristol Rivers have three games in a week again. Doesn't it? Yes. So basically, yeah. Most teams don't have that at that point. Which no, it's very late in the season to have three games. So they've got, I think they travel to Rotherham on the Saturday and then they come back home and face Wigan and then they've got their final home game of the season the following Saturday against Gillingham. So they're, oh, they're God, three, that's they're, some key games. Well, they're three huge games. Rotherham yeah. are, you know, what are they, fourth? Wigan are going to be probably in the top two by that point by the time they've caught up on their games. And then Gillingham, if they keep up their form, they might be knocking around the top ten as well. So could be a huge week. What Rovers have got to do is win enough games between now and then to make it an important week. Yeah, yeah. That week could, if they're still there or thereabouts, if they're within touching distance, within a few points, that week could make or break their season. Yeah, absolutely. It should be, I mean, it should be good fun from a, from a fan's perspective and from following them. It'll be tough, but they know that, you know, not very far from the end of the season, is it? And they can jet off to Dubai for a few weeks after that. <laughs> That'd be very nice. Uh, well, by the end of the season, you know, we'll, we'll know if they're in the playoffs. We could even be sat here in a few months talking about Bristol Rovers as a championship club. It, it seems maybe yeah, a little bit far-fetched, it, but it, it is, is possible. Yeah, it is possible. It's, it's a long shot. I stand by, I think I said a few weeks ago, I give them a 5 to 10% chance of, 
of making the playoffs. So I've upgraded that to maybe 10 for definite now, but I still think it's a long shot. I'm going to go 15% because you oh, never okay. know. Uh, we had a tweet today. We asked for your questions on Twitter. If you want to tweet us, Jack is at Jack Vittles. You've got like the perfect Twitter handle. Yes. Yeah, but no one else with it. It's a very obscure name, so I'm, I'm fine to take it. It is that. unusual. So it's a double T in Jack's name. And uh, I'm at Michelle Owen 7. So we had one from Reese today, uh, just changing the subject a little bit. He said, How long can Rovers hang on to Daryl Clark? He's had the club overperforming for a number of seasons and surely a championship club would be inviting for him with the Rovers standing still. So he, Reese is saying that and the assumption that it's another mid-table finish. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's a valid point. I think Daryl Clark has been a manager in demand before. He's turned down the Leeds job, we know that. He's often linked with other jobs when they come up in the championship. Um, what I would say is that he's certainly made no noises that sound like he wants to leave. He's continually talked about a long-term project, continually talked about developing the club. Um, and they are. They came 10th last season, 67 points. He's looking to build on that this season. But of course, if they don't go up um, and a club does come in for him, a championship club in the summer, he may want to move and take that position in the higher league. He's an ambitious manager. But the good thing for Rovers is they've got him tied down to that five-year deal, which will still have four years left to run on it this summer. So. Yeah. If he does go, I would imagine there's something written in there to get some pretty hefty compensation. So say, surely if a club came in from from the Championship, they'd have to pay some huge compensation payout with a five-year contract. Yeah, you'd, you'd like to think you know Rovers have got their numbers in order in terms of the contract they handed down last summer because um, they know that Daryl will probably be a manager in demand if he keeps up the success that he's having with Rovers. But isn't it nice at this point to be able to say, you know, this this time in sort of three, four months, Bristol Rovers could be a Championship side and if they are, he stays. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what we were saying a minute ago, isn't it? It's all about having the, the hope and being able to dream. It's not unrealistic yet. It's just it's optimistic to think there'll be a championship club next season. But when you start a new season and you're in League One, that's what you want, isn't it? You want to get to the end of the season hoping you can still move up a division. So we're and, now, and at this point, know. to still be in with a shout as well, you know, because obviously in August there's every team in the division yeah. have a shout. But by this time, really, there's only about, well, we were just saying, weren't we, about 12, 13... Yeah, absolutely, and we're you know less than two months away from the end of the season now, and we're still talking about something to play for for Rovers, which is good in itself. And let's talk about the community trust then, because you've been uh, speaking to the CEO of the community trust, and maybe it's something we don't hear that much about. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a chat with uh, Adam Tutson, who is CEO of the Rovers Community Trust. Um, I think it's a, sort of a part of the club that a lot of fans will have heard about or seen the name or might have heard about it in passing. But speaking to Adam. You know, he's spoken to fans before and once he's told them what they do, the fans always say, oh, that sounds good. Why don't, you know, I didn't know anything about that. So I went down to speak with him uh, this morning and the piece will be online for Thursday evening and over the weekend. Um, really nice video down there with Adam as well, chatting about the great work they do. So working with you know, kids as young as five to people as old as 95, doing all different things, women's football, disabled football, um, helping out kids in schools, doing social inclusion activities, um, just... Everything you can imagine, really. And they're, they're a charity, so they have to run completely off voluntary donations and off uh, funding. So do they get any money from the club? No. No, they're not, not funded by the club, but of course they're part of the club, so they get all the access and the benefits that come with being part of a club. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really interesting part of the club that fans can be proud of and that fans need to know more about. So I'm keen to sort of shine a light on that over the next few months. Um, they've got a few events scheduled that we'll be getting along to and... Uh, yeah, giving them a bit more exposure, letting fans know the great work their club does in their community 
Um, I just don't think enough people know about it. If a fan wanted to get involved with it and said, OK, I fancy a little bit of that, is that something that's quite easy to get involved with? Because yeah, yeah, I think so. I was speaking to Adam this morning, like I say, um, getting in touch with the Community Trust, all their you know emails and things are on their website. Just Google it, it's pretty easy to find. It'll be on the bottom of my piece as well. Um, and yeah, they're always looking for volunteers, people to help out, um, whether that's you know a bit of coaching or just helping out with transport, really basic things. Um, and I just think it's a really important part of, of what a football club should be. You know, Rovers is a mid-sized club in this country, but it's got a great history and it's in a you know inner city location right among its own fans. So I think it should be reflective of its own fans. And I think the Community Trust does a really good role in, uh, in doing that. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like they're doing some fantastic work and we'll look forward to hearing more about that. Uh, so we've discussed the next game, which is Northampton. So we need to look ahead to the game after that because we'll be recording the following podcast after Plymouth... Argyle. Wow, wow, wow. What a job Derek Adams has done down there. It's it's incredible. Now, I should give a disclaimer at this point. I know a lot about Plymouth Argyle because my husband is a Plymouth Argyle fan. Uh, so he grew up there and he supported them since he was small. But uh, for anyone that knows anything about Plymouth Argyle, a few years ago they went into administration. You know, they didn't even know if they were going to be a club that existed anymore. And in the last couple of years they've gone leaps and bounds, obviously got promotion to League One last season. And they've just flown up the table since Christmas. They're in like 23rd just before yeah. Christmas. And now they're in the final playoff spot. Now, this is going to be massive for Bristol Rovers, but you've got to fancy Plymouth Argyle because they're the form team and they're going to be at home. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Plymouth were, Plymouth were rubbish when they came to the men. They were, they were, you know, they were one of the poorer sides that I've seen play there this season. They got beat, I think it was only 2-1, but they really weren't very good. And Derek Adams after the match wasn't best pleased. And at that point, they felt like there was a bit of discontent between the Plymouth fans and Derek Adams as to whether he was the right man to lead them in League One. Which, by the way, is crazy. Because what he did since he took over there, you know, he, he got them into the playoffs, then he got them promoted. Where they've come from in League Two, for the fans to be that sort of short-minded and have such short memories, just, it baffles me. Yeah, I think they're another really good example, like Rovers, of a club that's, you know, stuck with their manager and seen the benefit of it, you know. Other clubs might have got rid of Daryl Clark earlier in the season when they're having, you know, 11 defeats in 13. That's, you know, sackable form at most clubs. Um, and the same with Adams being 23rd at Christmas. But both clubs have stuck with their managers. Both have seen really good turnaround in results. It's just that Plymouth has been, you know, off the scale. So they've gone up to sixth now um, and they're flying. And there'll be a really tough proposition down there at home park. Rovers have sold out their allocation. I imagine there'll be a big home crowd for that. But given the way that Plymouth Argyle are playing at the moment, do you think there's a chance of getting a result there for Bristol Rovers? Yeah, there's always a chance. Um, I think it'll be a tough one. I think it's a tough one. I think if, you, you know, if you're a betting man, your money will probably be on Plymouth at the moment. But Rovers' away form, particularly since Christmas, has been much improved, much more solid at the back. Um, I think yeah, if Rovers can beat Northampton this Saturday, it really sets that game up, mm. game up nicely. It should be you know, it's a good rivalry, big crowd. Um, there's another beam back at the Mem as well. So plenty of people will be watching. I think it should be a really good one. If Plymouth Argyle lose at the weekend, this weekend, I mean, there could be a point in it, couldn't there? They are playing this weekend uh, against Fleetwood away. So let's just say they did, for argument's sake. I mean, there'd be a point in it. That'd be set up nicely, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be very tasty. They'd probably be sort of 8th and ninth, 7th and 8th at that point, wouldn't they? I think it'll be, it should be a really good game. But they've, you know, look at their form. I don't know how many in a row they've won now, but they're flying. So... It'll be a tough game, um, and we'll keep an eye on their result on Saturday, but Rovers need to get the job done at home to Northampton first, definitely. OK, well, fingers crossed for both results. We'll be back with reaction to those games in a couple of weeks' time. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us, and you can tweet us as well, at Michelle Owen 7 and at Jack Vittles. Thanks for listening. 
Gassing out loud.